Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It's a Wednesday. You're in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Boy, I'll tell you what. Um, Las Vegas gets, uh, you know, a uh, knock uh, on its weather. We all know uh, it gets blazing hot in the summer, and it gets a little chilly uh, in the winter, too. But when it's right, it's right. And today was one of the last couple days, really, uh, have been one of those right uh, days. We're hovering right around 70, 72 degrees. Uh, Picturesque blue skies, uh, not a uh, hint of smog uh, or anything like that, what I used to deal with uh, out in California. It got better over the years in California, but... Um, it's pretty sweet uh, out here right now. Uh, again, you're in the huddle. Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy. Some news from Henderson. Um, the Raiders made it official. No big surprise. Uh, they cut ties uh, with Terrell Williams after two injury-riddled years. Um, you know, unfortunately for Terrell Williams, uh, his career never got never took off. Um, here with the Raiders, uh, he was ex- signed to a two-year or four-year. $44 million deal, uh, expected to be a big downfield target uh, for Derek Carr. But unfortunately, uh, foot injuries in 2019 uh, plagued him. Painful foot injuries, by the way. Um, you know, I know that sometimes we take these guys for granted when they're out there and, uh, you know, hey, suck it up, rub some dirt on it. But dude was dealing with some serious foot issues in 2019 that were as painful as you could possibly think of. Uh, and he gutted it up and went out there uh, more often than not. Uh, the results, you know, weren't what anyone uh, had anticipated or hoped uh, for him as as one of the big targets uh, for the Raiders. But trust me when I say he was dealing with some stuff uh, in 2019. Give him a lot of credit uh, for for just getting out there on a weekly basis uh, to go out there and try to play. He was primed for a repeat, or excuse me, a, a rebound. In 2020, I know the Raiders were expecting uh, big things, uh, fully healthy Terrell Williams coming into 2020, but then unfortunately, um, he tears the labrum uh, in training camp and missed the entire year. Uh, so that's that, uh, and that's how it goes sometimes in professional sports. Unfortunately, we can't feel too bad for uh, Terrell Williams, of course. He collected $22 million over the last two years, uh, but I know uh, that Terrell Williams was doing everything he could to get back on the field. Uh, this is no indication of work ethic or, or anything like that. Um, he was just the um, really the victim of of, uh, of some misfortune and bad luck uh, here with the Raiders. So, uh, and from the Raiders' perspective, uh, you know, it's it was an easy way to uh, to move on from eleven point six million dollars uh, and and just be able to put that cap put that money. Uh, toward salary cap relief. Uh, the $22 million that Terrell Williams made these last two years represented uh, the guaranteed portion of the four-year contract. Uh, he was under contract for the next two years, right around $11.6 million for both years. Uh, but because uh, those were not guaranteed, the Raiders can walk away from Terrell Williams without any sort of penalty to their salary cap. They absorb no hits. Uh, there's no dead money. Uh, they walk away scot-free. So... Um, for you know, knowing and understanding, as we've been talking about, uh, where the salary cap is going, it's not going up like it normally does. It's going down. You can thank COVID nineteen for that. No fans in the stands. Um, you know, a major drain on on revenue. So the salary cap is going down. As of right now, if it hits the floor of one hundred eighteen million of one hundred eighty million dollars, that means and represents. Uh, a, a drop in eight, of $18 million from last year's cap at $198 million uh, to the $180 million floor. Uh, the players want to try to move that up a little bit. Um, doing so means borrowing against future, future assets, but if you're a player right now, you're you're thinking, I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, or 2024 in 2024. You know, I, I don't want to take that big of a hit. Uh, in terms of uh, salary cap from one year to another. Let's spread that thing out. Um, let's borrow against future assets. We know that the NFL is going to continue to make money. Um, it, it's not going to get back on track the way it normally has over the years for a little while now. Uh, but, you know, the NFL is king. They're going to get back uh, to solid ground and solid footing and to a point where the salary cap is actually going up uh, on a yearly basis as it normally does. So if you're a player now, you're saying, 
let's make sure that we're not absorbing this all in one fell swoop. So they'll probably try to get it to about $185, $188 million. Uh, and if that's the case, after today's move, based on what the Raiders um, are uh, contractually obligated to in 2021, uh, after cutting Terrell Williams, the Raiders are still two point um, six, I think, million dollars over the salary cap, uh, 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 over a projected one hundred eighty-eight million dollar salary cap. So, um, if it's uh, if it comes in at one hundred eighty million dollars, then uh, that means that they're about ten million dollars over the salary cap right now. So, there's a lot of work to be done in order to get back under that salary cap, and a lot of work to be done, really. Uh, to be able to create enough cap space to where the Raiders can be players uh, in free agency. And there's a lot of ways that they can do it. Uh, I would expect today's move to be um, one of many uh, that's to come. Uh, unfortunately for some current players on the roster who are very, very vulnerable right now, uh, we know Trent Brown, Richie Incognito, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Marcus Mariota. Uh, all of these guys um, are basically either no crimp on uh, and 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 uh, represent no uh, penalty to the salary cap moving forward if the Raiders were to walk away from him, or in Lamarcus Joyner's case, a two point five million dollar hit to the salary cap. However, an eight point seven million dollar savings if they're to cut him or release him. So uh, get ready, uh, buckle your seatbelts because it's going to get hot and heavy here uh, over these next few weeks as the new league year approaches, as the new salary cap is finally set. And as free agency opens, and the Raiders want to be in position to pounce when free agency opens, but uh, putting themselves in that position means being creative uh, in terms of who they keep and who they have to either cut or release. And uh, so we're going to be finding out here pretty soon uh, who falls into all those categories. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation listener line. James is on the line. He wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, James? Good, good. How about you guys? We're doing good. Thank you very much. Good. Hey, um, I just wanted to, uh, uh, I mean, we know Tyrell Williams just got cut. I uh, wanted to share my thoughts on that and um, also wanted to share my thoughts on, you know, uh, as we all know, the Raiders have been struggling for the past decade on defense. We need to create some space. Of course, we all know that. But there's a couple of uh, players there that I was thinking of. Um, we all know LaMarcus Joyner should be cut. Um, there's other, there's other play, like Carl Nassib. I'm not sure what's the dead money we, we would take on that if we would release them, but I think we're on the right track releasing Tyrell Williams. Next up should be, uh, LaMarcus Joyner or Trent Brown. Maybe we can get a pick or a cornerback. I can tell you right now on Carl Nassib if you want. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you released Carl Nassib, uh, you, uh, the Raiders would incur a $5.7 million uh, salary cap hit uh, to 2021. However, uh, they would also save $3.7 million. So um, that's what you'd have to weigh. Do you, do you, do you need that $3.7 million enough in order to eat the $5.75 million um, that you're going to incur on the salary cap if you were to, to cut him? So, I mean... Uh, $3.7 million, $3 million in today's uh, economy with the way the salary cap uh, is structured and it's going down, every penny counts basically. So that might be more, you know, that that number might be more um, appealing to the Raiders than the hit that they would take at 5.7. Now, if they keep him, uh, then he's a $9.5 million hit to the salary cap next year. Okay. Yeah, there's um, some other players um, as far as like Malik Collins, did not produce. Zay Jones did not produce. Uh, Nevin Lawson. I mean, these are all players we're talking about that are not producing on the defense. And and I would prefer to release them and create as much cap as we can. That way we can go out and sign impact players, which the Raiders need in all three levels. And and we just we just need we need we need leadership. Just like I I just saw a report. On um, uh, uh, David Irvin saying that there was lack of leadership in that locker room. We need impact players. We need players that, like a JJ Watt, and I know that that might be out of the question, or, but we need players like that because we have too many young players in our defense that we need players that can lead this young defensive football team. 
I agree. I think leadership uh, is um, of paramount importance uh, for a very young defense. I think there's potential on this defense, uh, but it is very young, uh, and they, and there there is a leadership need uh, uh, without question. But that leadership has to also coincide with performance. Um, you know, I, I I thought the Jason Witten um, signing was uh, a, a good move in terms of leadership, uh, but. Um, it was more leadership than actual play. Um, I think for the Raiders' defense, they need play and leadership. As far as uh, Zay Jones, he's no longer on the right. He's a, a pending free agent, uh, as is Nevin Lawson. So um, they're they're no longer on the. They won't be on the roster unless, of course, the Raiders decide to uh, t- to bring them back. So um, uh, no worries in, in that regard. Uh, both of those players. You know, to me, Nevin Lawson has probably has the most opportunity uh, to come back at this point. But we'll see what the Raiders do in free agency uh, and in the draft uh, as far as it goes with the secondary and specifically at cornerback. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Drew uh, is on the line. How are you doing, Drew? Pretty good. How about you? Doing really good. Taking a good sip of co- sip of coffee right there, just as you asked me that. So, uh, gotta yep, get the coffee. Same in. here at work. Yep. Yeah. All right, so I just had just a, just a quick question. I was wondering, um, how will this young defense, you know, mostly the secondary, how are they going to do in Gus Bradley's scheme? And will Gus really have an impact on who we draft? You know, I just look at his history in San Diego and Seattle, and there was a lot of good guys on defense drafted in those years. Yeah, um, I, uh, I think that um, will there uh, so, some adjustments need, be, uh, needed to be made, um, especially like in a uh, Damon Arnett's game. Yeah, uh, they're going to have to um, a, a young player, young cornerback like Damon uh, is going to have to uh, make some adjustments um, under Gus Bradley. But I, but what I really like about what the Raiders did uh, as far as the defensive coordinator's job. Uh, not only uh, is Gus Bradley um, have a strong history with defensive backs, um, I think he played defensive back when, when he played in, in college. So he's got a, uh, a lot of knowledge and a lot of history in terms of development um, in the secondary. But also he brought along a guy by the name of Ron Milas uh, from the Chargers. And... Uh, I mean, from the minute the Raiders announced Gus Bradley and, and kind of word started getting out around the NFL that Ron Milas was coming with him. He was his assistant coach uh, with the Chargers. I mean, I was getting texts about Ron Milas and, and Richard Smith, the new linebacker coach, uh, and it was all glowing. Uh, Ron Milas is, has a long, distinguished uh, track record of player development uh, in the secondary. So I think the combination of Gus Bradley and Ron Milas is going to be a real benefit for what is an extraordinarily young uh, secondary. I'm not making excuses for the Raiders uh, at all. It is what it is, and they have to deal with it. But when you look at the age of their secondary and the experience of their secondary, Trayvon Mullen, you know, now going into his third year, and I think that he's established himself uh, as a quality cornerback uh, uh, in the NFL. I think he's only going to get better under the tutelage of Gus Bradley and Ron Milas. Damon Arnett barely got a chance to play last year. He was injured, uh, whether it was the broken wrist uh, that, that required sur- surgery, um, concussions that he dealt with uh, a couple of times th- throughout the year. Uh, never really got a good read on, on Damon Arnett in his rookie year. Uh, Jonathan Abram uh, was, you know, it, it, he's going into his third year, but, the, but realistically, when you really think about it, after he missed all of his rookie year, except for the first half of the season opener. Uh, you know, he's a guy that is, is really young as well. And I don't think necessarily um, w- was used properly uh, under the, the, the previous regime defensively. So now he's a third year player who's really, you know, technically going into his second year as a, as a full-time starter. That's really young when you've got three players in the secondary uh, of that age uh, and that experience. And that's on top of, a, a, a you know defensive end who just completed his second year, two defensive ends who completed their second years, uh, you know, and and so uh, again, not making excuses, but it is a very young, inexperienced secondary, uh, and so I think that having a Gus Bradley and I think that having a Ron Miles um, is gonna is gonna be a real benefit uh, for the players that I just mentioned, uh, Isaiah Johnson as well. Uh, I think that you know a clean slate. For, for Isaiah now with this new secondary coach um, and, and you know defensive staff in general, 
Uh, he's a big, tall, uh, physical wide receiver with all kinds of athletic abilities. He's really smart. Um, you know, fourth round pick out of Houston a couple of years ago, just hasn't quite been able to get uh, his footing here uh, with the Raiders. Uh, there's been some opportunities. He made a couple of big plays in that Chargers game, if you remember. He saved the day uh, against the Chargers, using that body, using the length uh, to, to really body up uh, when targeted on two straight plays and batted the ball away and, and won those two battles at the end of the game to, to preserve a big Raiders win out in Los Angeles. Um, you know, maybe with a new staff, um, his his role grows. Um, and I know that Gus Bradley likes big, tall cornerbacks. I'm not saying Isaiah Johnson is going to be the starter next year, but I think he can get into the mix more than he was uh, these last couple of years. Uh, but I do believe, uh, and I and I really feel this way that um, that secondary, it's just almost imperative that the Raiders go out and get a veteran uh, free safety. Um, I've mentioned them, John Johnson, uh, Marcus Williams, guys like that, that um, Justin Simmons, I don't know if he's going to be available, but, but guys like that, somebody, a player that's in their prime, proven veteran, that's going to be able to come in here and be the leader of that group uh, in so many different ways. Just their mere presence is going to help the cornerbacks uh, because they've got a backstop back there. Uh, that the, the presence is going to help a Jonathan Abram because it frees up Jonathan Abram to kind of play the role that Gus Bradley envisions of him and takes advantage of his unique skill set. Uh, and somebody flat out that's going to offer a major upgrade over what the Raiders have been running out there the last couple of years. So to me, that's where big money needs to be spent in free agency is that free free safety spot for a variety of different reasons. I think that one move at that one particular position will have a ripple effect throughout the entire secondary and, uh, and a positive one at that. We're going to go back out onto the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Strong from Palm Beach. Love Palm Beach uh, is on the line. How you doing, Raider, Raider Strong? Hey, pretty good, Vinny. How you doing? Doing really good, thank you. So here, man, I got like a, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've heard a little bit of this, but I got maybe a little contrarian take on this. But, um, you know, everybody thinks, okay, defense, we've got to draft defense, right, because we need defensive players. But here's the thing. I am not sure, and I don't think the Raiders are sure, what they have on defense. I mean, like, you know, uh, Gunther was trying to teach these guys PhD-level defense, right? Gunther's probably a good defensive coordinator, but he's probably trying to teach these guys high-level stuff. So we brought Gus Bradley in, you talked about it, to try to simplify things, to let these guys play faster. So we kind of need to know what we have out there. Can Corey Littleton actually, you know, work in his defense? Can uh, Abram work? You know, how will Damon Arnett play? I mean, what are these guys that we have? So... You know, with all these new players, uh, young players that you're just talking about, that we got on defense, and then, you know, new players, as in like the Littleton and stuff, I mean, he's been there a year, but he's going to have a new system. We don't know what we have. So what are we going to do? Go, if, go draft a new, you know, go draft a bunch of new guys on defense and then throw them in, and then so you've got nobody, you know, that, that has any experience. We don't know what we have. So my thought is, Go spend big in free agency, I mean, given the cap, right? But whatever you can spend, spend that on defense. Go get some big names to help you out. Let's figure out what we have on defense and draft an offensive lineman in the first round. Take, you know, I heard there's a lot of them out there uh, in the draft. Take an offensive lineman. The offense has enough experience out there on the line, in the receiving core, you know, tight end. We can absorb new guys there. Let's get... You know, let's figure out what we have on defense and, again, use free agency to go get some of those big names like you're talking about, a free safety, you know, maybe a rusher, maybe a defensive tackle, whatever it is, plug the hole in free agency. Let's figure out what we have and draft offense on the line. You know, maybe a guard, maybe an offensive, maybe a tackle. That's what my thought is. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I hear you, Raider Strong, and I like I like your thinking. Um, here's the thing: there's the, the money can only go so far in free agency. Uh, I do believe that it's going to be as exclusive as uh, you can imagine on defensive players uh, through free agency. I, me- I mentioned a free safety. I think they have to figure out a way to create more pass rush. Uh, off the edge, uh, there's some, you know, some some veteran free agents uh, that that should fit that should fit 
uh, that uh, um, uh, role and looking at edge rusher, I'm just going to name some of the names uh, that, are, that, are, that are expected to be out there. Uh, Shaquille Barrett, J- Jadavian Clowney, uh, Yannick Ngagwe, uh, Carl Lawson, Bud Dupree. I'm really high on Bud Dupree. Uh, Leonard Floyd, who turned, re- turned things around uh, in Los Angeles uh, with the Rams. Melvin Ingram, uh, who played with uh, under Gus Bradley with the Chargers. So players like that, Trey Hendrickson, for the New Orleans Saints, I think he's a sneaky player to keep an eye on. Um, uh, has really shown the ability to be disruptive and get to the quarterback. Uh, keep an eye on on him. Uh, and then you look at the interior defensive line, which they also need help there. Uh, I think they, I think they need help uh, on the edge and interior and free safety. Some of the interior defensive linemen we talk about Leonard Williams. I think he's going to get the franchise tag or work a new deal. With the New York Giants, Dalvin Tomlinson from the New York Giants, Shelby Harris, Sheldon Rankins from the New Orleans Saints, Indomitian Sue. I'm not so sure about Sue. Uh, he's kind of getting up there in age, but um, he's definitely a, a player that can still uh, play. Uh, Daquan Jones from the Tennessee Titans, Lawrence Guy from the New England Patriots. Uh, so those are the interior defensive linemen uh, that you could keep an eye on. Now, if the Raiders are able to hit at all three of those positions, free safety, ex- uh, edge, and interior, I could see them. Uh, drafting an offensive lineman, uh, dipping into that pool because it is a deep draft pool, and especially because we don't know what's going to happen with Trent with, with 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 Trent Brown. I think that domino, the Trent Brown domino, um, falling in whichever direction it falls, whether he stays here in Las Vegas with the Raiders or moves on, is going to dictate. A, and then if he does move on, do the Raiders uh, secure his replacement in free agency or? Do they feel like, hey, there's a guy that we're going to be able to get in the draft, whether it's the first round or the second round, that's going to be able to step in uh, and replace him? Or maybe they believe that person is on their is, is on their roster right now. Uh, we'll have to see. But I think the Trent Brown domino uh, is going to dictate a lot about what happens uh, in the draft because if he is around and they believe that he can uh, that that he's going to bounce back from from last year and give them quality snaps and consistent snaps. Uh, in 2021, then um, you can you don't have to worry about right tackle right now, uh, especially in those higher rounds. You could start really doubling down on defense after uh, uh, making a strong um, emphasis of defense in free agency. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line, uh, we've got uh, TJ is on the line. How you doing, TJ? Hey, Vinny, good. How you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. Hey, uh, so I just want to talk, like, piggyback on this defense and to the other caller. You know, we don't know what we have, but at this point and where we're at, you want to take a risk to find out, you know, the long way, the hard way. <laughs> or, uh, you know, the, the more you have, you know, at least the more the more players you have to, to dispose of to use, at least, you know, you, you could figure that out a little bit quicker instead of, you know, re- just sticking with what you have. But anyway, um, I feel like, you know, I keep hearing fans talk about we need an elite corner, we need a corner, we need a corner, and it kind of piggyback up what you're saying. I, as a Raider fan, the last you know since I've been seven, I'm I'm about to be 28 years old, so I'm still on the younger generation side. But I'd say this is the best corners that we've had in a long time, and I know that's not saying much, and I'm not saying that they're elite. You know, I still believe in Damon Arnett. Early, early on, he played. I thought well, he was following guys throughout the field. And, you know, it wasn't until he came back where you saw that big drop-off. Uh, Trayvon Mullen's still young. He started to fall off towards the end of the season, and I don't know what happened there. He may have been injured, but he was doing really, you know, well last year early on and then even, you know, the end of the year before. So, and then I like Isaiah Johnson. And people always, you know, wailing on, uh, who would you say is a free agent right now that we may sign back? Nevin Lawson, right? Nevin Lawson, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nevin, he had, he got burned a couple times, but if I'm thinking about our past corners we've had, you know, with like Sean Smith, David Amerson, these other guys, like these guys aren't letting big play after big play go over their heads like that, at least in my opinion. Um, free safety is where we need to go, just to pick up what you're saying. I, if I think of all the best teams in the league right now, they got a free safety back there helping these guys out, and they're young, and I hope Gus Bradley develops these guys. But there's one thing that I really want to see the Raiders do is just have a arsenal of just these pass rushers young and old you know if i think about uh the past super bowl winners right you got the eagles you remember when the, when the eagles won they had a, a mix of like you know cox uh chris long you know some older guys 
that were towards their way out, but they still had a few big plays, but then they had new guys, too. Uh, Graham, uh, man, they're a slip of my mind right now. And then I look at the Buccaneers. You know, they got older guys with newer guys. You know, it's just a, it's a solid mix where you got the young guys that, that aren't too much money yet, and then you have the older guys who maybe are expensive or even though out the door where they're a little bit cheaper. I just think we need to really develop that pass rush and get a mix of, of guys, old and young, you know, and throw them in positions to succeed. Every, every team in the past, or every Super Bowl team that I've seen in the past, you know, few years, they just had an arsenal of these players. Given, I think, maybe they were three fours, so their outside edges are always on the line. You know what I mean? So I don't, yes. I, I don't know if that's, that's what it seemed like, too. So it just seems like they have an arsenal, really, it's because they're on the line more often. So it seems like they have a lot more, but that's why I'm a fan of, you know, three, four over the four, three, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And you know, uh, Gus Bradley will, uh, he's going to mix it up. I mean, I, you're, you're essentially going to have four rushers. He's not a guy that likes to blitz a lot. Um, so, uh, basically it, it happens from the front four, but, but he's so multiple, uh, in how he's, you know, uh, aligns those four guys up. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're in a stance. Um, you know, so so you, there's a lot of different ways that that he utilizes that front four. But you're right, getting as many of those type of players as possible that can put, put pressure on the quarterback and building a rotation. I've always said this: if you can get your best guys on the field to give you meaningful snaps in meaningful moments where they're rested and they're fresh and they're ready to go late in the game when it gets right down to it, you're in a much better position. And you do that by uh, what TJ just said, building a rotation, building depth. So you're circling guys in and out and rotating guys in and out in a way that allows your best players to stay fresh throughout the course of the game. Thanks for the calls. Keep them coming. Uh, Raider Mark, we're going to get to you. Uh, if you just hang on uh, just a little while longer, you're in the huddle. Video Monster Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Raider great Lincoln Kennedy. This is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Real quick, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Mark wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider Mark? Raider me? Mark, are you, you with us? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I got you, me? brother. Okay, but hey, thanks a lot. But, hey, love your com- commentary, man. I love your writing and everything. You're, you're awesome, man. I think you're a very big asset to the Raider Nation, man. I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you, man. I, I really appreciate that. And you guys are, you're what I do this for. You guys are who I do this for. So, yeah, uh, yeah. love it. Your insight's fantastic, man. But I got to disagree with you, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, 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 the players you mentioned are not rookies, man. They're not young. The average years for, uh, for NFL players, three years. So if you look at Justin Jefferson, Devin White, uh, just name two guys, they're not rookies. They're not young players. Nobody says they're young players. When you look at Hunter Renfro, you look at uh, Max Crosby, I never see anybody say, oh, they're young players. If you flip Max Crosby's, Crosby's year from if he had seven uh, sacks his first year and then ten sacks this year, they'll say, oh, man, he's going he's to be a Pro Bowl player. Nobody's going to say he's young. If you look at Arnett, I'm going to name those guys, Arnett, uh, Farrell, uh, Abrams, and uh, Ruggs, they were not even the best players on their team. Think about it. I think we're, when you look at Mike Mayer's draft, they were reaching, man. They reach for these guys. But me, they want to be let, Raider guys, but they're they're not they're not there yet. I mean, let me let me let me ask you real okay, quick, then. Raider Mark. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking more about going into last year. This was an extraordinarily young defense when you had Damon Arnett, a rookie, Trayvon Mullen, who played what seven eight games uh, the year before, Jonathan Abram, who played you know uh, one half of his rookie year. Uh, Crosby and um, uh, and Clee Farrell uh, going into their second years, going into last year in 2020, that was as young a defense as you're going to find. And on top of that, you had newcomers like Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Demarius Randall was supposed to be uh, you know a safety. And and all I'm saying was, yeah, as we move on, um, you can't use that as an excuse anymore. And we're starting to get to that point. Uh, but last year, going into last year, that was a really young defense. And I think what happened with COVID-19 and how it interrupted the offseason had a dramatic effect on a lot of teams in different ways. And for the Raiders, 
it was that young defense. And no, you can't use that excuse uh, forever. And and I and I think that the excuses start running out like ASAP. By the way, if I were to ask you, what do you think Devin White's uh, PFF grade is? Uh, what would you what would you venture to say it was in, on a scale of one to a hundred? Uh, probably like twenty five, maybe twenty five thirty. No, one to a hundred. Like a hundred is the best for Devin White. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, probably about eighty, maybe. Okay. Yeah, Devin White finished finished the season strong, and I think Devin White is going to have a fabulous career. But there's deficiencies Uh in his game. So every time I hear Raider fans saying they should have taken Devin White over Cleve Farrell, I I don't think you would have gotten any argument had they done that. But to think that Devin White is has been this end all be all and and a dramatically better player uh, than than what Clee Farrell does at his position just isn't accurate. That, you know, uh, Clee Farrell graded out as the 16th best defensive end in the NFL last year, and if you and and before injuries hit late in the season, he was top 12, top 13. So he's on his way. He's not a bad player. And I know that Devin White finished strong. He had a great postseason. He's a player uh, that's moving in the right direction. But uh, he struggled as well, and, and as a young player often does. So, you know, be careful when you start throwing names out there. Like, this guy is so much better than that guy. Uh, if you watch, if you paid attention to Devin White as much as you did Clee Farrell, Raider Nation, you'd see that Devin White still has a long way to go, too. Uh, so, um, again, uh, that's just... I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, Vinny. Absolutely. I, I'm not, not disagreeing with you that, but we don't win championships with PFF. Not at all. So when you look at it's a, co- it's a combination of both. So if, if, if Mike Mayock and John Gruden want to go young on defense, they got to understand this is what's going to happen. If they're going to concentrate on one side of the ball, just the uh, offense, th- then they're going to concentrate on the offense. If they're, they're going to draft these guys, they, they got to understand that they're getting young, young players at the start, but you don't draft first-round players to not start. They're, they're, they're ready to go. These guys come out as juniors. You can say whatever you want as far as them being young, but they're, they're starting right away. And you name all those guys that on the Raiders, you know, Farrell, Abrams, Ruggs, all those guys got hurt all the time. Uh, Arnett got hurt all the time. What's going on with these guys getting injured so much? Arnett's leading with his head every time he tackles. No, no, no technique at all. So if you're going to blame it on our last defensive coordinator, great. You fired him, but it, it falls on John Gruden and Mike Mayock totally. So and I, I agree. I think in, in Damon Arnett's case, uh, fundamentals, he needs to work on the fundamentals because you're right. Uh, he put himself in harm's way with this tackling technique. That needs to get cleaned up or else he's not going to be out there uh, very long if he keeps sticking his head in the, into it the way he has been. Um, uh, and, and, and last thing I'll say about the youth. Um, yes, Rookies are, are drafted, first rounders are drafted to, to, to play, you know, um, and, and, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, the thing with the Raiders is they were so depleted defensively when John Gruden took over and, and during this rebuild that they've had to. What the, the issue is, the problem is, they've had to rely on young players almost exclusively, and that's not a great recipe. It could eventually because that, those young players are going to grow up and mature, and you know, in the Raiders' case, they hope that that they're going to in two three years they're going to be you know uh, productive, reliable veteran players. But to throw all of them out there at the same time on the same team, that doesn't happen a, a whole lot. Most of your good defenses are a combination of young players that you plug in alongside veteran players. Unfortunately, the Raiders, because of past history in the way they've drafted, didn't have that luxury. They've had to go almost exclusively on the young side, and it's cost them, and it hurt them. Uh, and the development, you know, the, the record shows that. The way they performed on defense showed that. I advocate that spending money in free agency for veteran players and maybe even using that 17th pick in the first round to go get a, an experienced uh, defensive player. But we'll see what direction they go uh, in, uh, you know, as far as all that goes. Um, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation guest line now to welcome in my good friend Jeff Howe uh, from The Athletic, my former teammate for, for, with The Athletic. He covers the Patriots, does an extraordinarily jo- good job uh, doing that. Jeff, how are you doing today? And thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Okay, so, um, you know, reading the tea leaves and trying to connect some dots here. Uh, I'm not sure what the Patriots' plan is at quarterback right now. Uh, I don't know if Cam Newton's going to be back. Um, he expressed some uh, interest in in perhaps uh, doing that, signing a one-year deal to come back uh, in New England. But, you know, realistically, only Bill Belichick right now 
really knows what the decision is going to be uh, at quarterback. But we've heard, I, I read your story about um, what they may do at quarterback, some of the names that they may look at at quarterback. Do you have a gut feeling on whether Cam is coming back or they're going to look outside the building, uh, at least for the starter for 2021, um, and, and assuming that they may go out and draft somebody as well for the future? Honestly, I'm not sure Belichick truly knows at this point uh, because there's just there's so many irons in the fire. I mean, they've spoken to every team basically who has a conceivable trade target uh, at quarterback, and part of it is the the asking prices have been too high. Uh, a lot of that is due to the inflation from the previous deals with Goff and Stafford and then Wentz. And, and the other hard part there is you know, those trades are fairly unique. So it's hard to compare those to others. But while while those selling prices were so high, other teams are thinking, hey, you know what? Why do we have to lower our prices? Maybe somebody else will come in desperate for a quarterback like the Patriots. So teams aren't really bending over backwards to help the Patriots. So I think, I mean, if my, my gut tells me it's, it's, it would be Garoppolo, but I'm not confident in that because they have asked around about so many different people and – Again, I think if there was a, a, an acceptable price on the table for one of their preferred guys, they would have struck a deal at this point. So I think now they just have to spend the next couple of weeks thinking, all right, this is the price point for this caliber player. Who's the best one there? And go, is that really ultimately the best option? And, you know, they're probably monitoring what's happening with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and certainly looking at the draft and, and trying to figure out how expensive it will be to climb for any of those top four guys and then lastly with cam newton they've not ruled out the possibility that newton can come back but the performance last season and their actions over the last few weeks scouring the trade market tells me that they are they prefer an upgrade and if it happens to be that all those upgrades are way too expensive considering the talent they would get back they would probably revisit the newton idea we're talking to Jeff Howe from The Athletic. He covers the uh, uh, New England Patriots. You could follow him at Jeff P. Howe. Uh, how much of, of that is also, uh, like when you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and some of the other quarterback, quarterbacks that may or may not be out there um, as, as far as trades, because for the trading team, you know, they've got to think about, okay, we trade Jimmy Garoppolo, but we also have to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. And that becomes problematic because you don't want to take a step back. Um, you want to improve. Uh, and everyone's trying to do that. So for every quarterback that gets moved, that team also wants to improve on the player that they're sending away. So, um, you know, how much of that becomes an issue in terms of who the Patriots can realistically target uh, in a trade? Yeah, and that's the question. And the 49ers, and I believe again today, have publicly backed their decision to stick with Garoppolo for next season. Now, there aren't a lot of people around the league from other teams who believe the 49ers, and I think they're just sort of posturing and, and trying to make sure that they can get as, or they can drive up his price as much as possible. And I don't think that price is going to be all that high. I, I honestly, I would be surprised if Garoppolo went anywhere for more than a Saturday draft pick. Uh, but you're right. They have to figure out who's his replacement going to be. I think one factor in their favor is Shanahan is such a quarterback-friendly coach. When you're looking at the money on the books for Garoppolo uh, against the talent that's around him with that 49ers team, I mean, all you need is competent quarterback play and better injury fortune than they had last season. And you have a team that should compete for an NFC title. So they're that good. And I think you could probably... So the problem with Garoppolo is is the same as it's always been. It's the injury concern. And the Patriots had that concern. It, certainly he hasn't done anything to erase that concern over the last several years. So if you're the 49ers, you might sit there and say, we're going to go to who, whoever. It doesn't even matter who it is. But does, does this person, does Plan B, give us a better chance of playing 16 games than Garoppolo? And if he does, what really is the talent uh, downfall or, or the, the fall off in talent? From Garoppolo, like there might be some. Uh, Garoppolo is a good quarterback. I'm not trying to diminish what he is capable of when healthy, but the when healthy part is is really what has disrupted a very good team from reaching its potential over the last three seasons. 
Without question. Uh, and having said all that, uh, the Raiders um, are, are, are sitting in a, in a fairly good position at quarterback. They've got uh, Derek Carr. I don't think they're in any kind of a hurry to move uh, on from Derek Carr unless, you know, a Deshaun Watson was uh, who was ready to fill that spot or a better, just a better quarterback. And that's what we're talking about. You move on from a quarterback, you know, the Raiders, the Rams moved on from Jared Goff. They replaced him with Matthew uh, Stafford. That makes a lot of sense uh, to be to, to work it in that regard. Um, you know, uh, so so the Raiders aren't going to move Derek Carr unless simultaneously they bring in a better option behind him. But right behind him, uh, they have Marcus Mariota, and I know that that name's been out there, and I know that there's. I think the Raiders are open for business uh, to trade Marcus uh, Mariota for a lot of reasons. They need to create salary cap space. He represents ten point seven million dollars. On their books, they can walk away, trade, cut him, whatever the case might be, uh, without any penalty. But they prefer to trade him. Uh, do you see a fit there potentially uh, with New England? I, you know, I, I saw that he was mentioned in, in your story. Is is there any kind of a fit there? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. And it's hard because the Patriots are in a spot right now where, I mean, a perfect quarterback doesn't exist on the trade market unless you're Deshaun Watson and he owns it. like that's just an extraordinary circumstance uh, throw Russell Wilson in there too if he happens to be available which I'll believe it when I see it so right. when you are looking at these imperfect options you have to figure out okay what's the potential uh, what are the Patriots chances of actually competing for a Super Bowl next year right now they're not very high so can you get a guy Knowing that 2021 and the Super Bowl chances aren't overly realistic or plausible, can you get somebody who is two equal parts, a stopgap, and somebody who could potentially grow within your system? Because they're in another tough spot with the draft. I mean, everybody wants to get their hands on one of those sophomore quarterbacks. We'll throw Trevor Lawrence out of there because we know he's going to the Jaguars and they're not trading. So the next three guys, everybody wants to try to take their shot at one of those guys. And... You know, I think the Patriots have basically no chance to get Zach Wilson because if he doesn't go to two, there's going to be a massive bidding war at three, and the Patriots just don't have the ammunition to get that high. So then you look at Trey Lance and Justin Fields, and you're talking about trying to most likely, I think, I mean, the, my projection is they're going to have to get into the top six or seven to get one of those guys. That's going to cost you at least two first-round picks, and then in my opinion, probably an extra third because I would expect a lot of teams in the bottom half of the top ten to be interested in moving up for those two as well. So it's an overly aggressive market, and the chance to solve your quarterback problem through the draft with a guy who looks like he's got a good chance to be a franchise-caliber player, you know that's, that's going to be tough to come by. So then you have to, again, you come back to this trade route, the veteran trade route, to show other free agents that you have a plan. And... It, whether you, I mean, not saying the Patriots wouldn't have a plan if they don't have a quarterback because a lot of some of the stars have to align in order to pull off these trades. But it's just they're they're just in such a tough spot right now because there's no reason for sellers to reduce their price for at least two to two and a half weeks, and there's no reason for the Patriots to play that desperate card right now because they have two to two and a half weeks. So they're just it's a game of chicken on the trade market. And then, you know, the free agency options aren't great. You're looking at bridge guys unless, you know, some people get released. But, I mean, even anybody who gets released, I mean, you're looking at, what, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, uh, that caliber of player, somebody who is imperfect. So circling back to Mariota, I think in terms of guys that you can get for a Saturday pick like Garoppolo, I think Mariota's there too. And we'll see what the Raiders can realistically get for him. I mean, I know Ian uh, reported today that they might end up having to release him. So that yeah. in itself says that you know, a Saturday pick is is the best-case scenario for the Raiders and Mariota. I think they would jump at that, to be honest with you. I think, you know, because one way or another, he's not going to be around. They, they, they're, two, they're projected to be $2 million over the cap uh, as it is if it's at $188 million. So they need to get out from under him, um, and ideally it would be in a trade, but... One way or another, he's going to be. Um, he's going to be. He's not going to be with the Raiders next year. Last question uh, before I let you go, uh, Jeff. Has anyone brought up the possibility uh, of Matt Ryan? Uh, I think that the if the Falcons draft their quarterback of the future, and you know, there's there's probably a lot of indications of why they would want to do that. 
Um, that makes Matt Ryan um, a, a, a viable trade option. Boston College kid uh, who would probably fit perfectly uh, in, 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 in New England, whether it's as a stopgap for the next couple of years or whatever, but just somebody that's going to bring some respectability and stability uh, to quarterback. Has that been talked about at all or, or, or projected at all? Yeah, I mean, I've thrown that name out there, but I just I don't think it's realistic because the cap hit that the Falcons would incur to move him this year uh, would be pretty severe, and they have a terrible cap situation right now as well. The one thing that makes me kind of take that thing back is it was the same situation for the Eagles and Wentz, and yes. the Eagles were willing to eat that cap hit. So maybe are the Falcons looking at that and saying, all right, you know what, if we could move him, you know, we can take on the cap hit. We're not going to contend to 2021 anyway. You know, let's let's maybe think about rebuilding. They've got a brand new regime in place, so I think there is a slight possibility. I mean, this if you trade Matt Ryan, you incur that cap penalty that they would take. You know, you're looking at a team that you know where they're drafting what seventh or wherever they are right now. Uh, they're probably going to be picking the top three next year because they're going to have to unload so much cap space and talent that they not. There's a lot of it down there in Atlanta right now. But there, it's just it brings on a whole new set of problems. Uh, would Ryan fit in New England? Yeah, I think so, but it's a little uncertain. I mean, yeah, he has the Boston College pedigree, but he just spent 13 years in a dome, and not just in a dome, but playing a, a few of his road games uh, against Southern teams. So it's one thing to play at Boston College in October and November. It's another thing to go from a dome for 13 years to playing in New England in December. So it's the weather aspect, it, you know, it does exist. And you've got to wonder, I mean, ultimately, look, it goes back to my original, my earlier point. They're not going to get a perfect player. And it's just, this is part of the imperfection or the equation of imperfections that the Patriots have to weigh. I mean, getting Matt Ryan for a couple of years would, would be a decent option. Absolutely. I mean, look at the names that we've already thrown out. I mean, we could sit here for, for a while, and, and Matt Ryan could be the first name on that list in terms of like a QB power rankings available to the Patriots. He could be the fifth, but you know it's better than probably sitting there in March 30th and saying, uh, still haven't filled this vacancy. Let's see if Ryan Fitzpatrick's got anything going on for the next 12 months. So <laughs> Exactly, just, exactly. Again, well, It comes back to they're just in a, such a tough spot. No doubt about it. And the quarterback carousel is, is fascinating this year. Uh, and and the, the chase to get the quarterback uh, is such a um, – uh, I mean, it, it's hard to do. It's hard to get it right at quarterback. That's why Tom Brady in New England was such a blessing for the Patriots for all those years and Drew Brees and – uh, even Matt Ryan in Atlanta, when you have that stability, you're 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 in a good place. When you don't, and you're spinning your wheels trying to figure out who it's going to be, uh, that's where you don't want to be. And right now, that's where the Patriots are. Uh, um, you know, crazily so. But I have a feeling Bill Belichick will eventually get it figured out, and probably sooner rather than later. Uh, Jeff Howe, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, stay safe. Hopefully, we'll see you at some point down the road. We should be in Indianapolis right about now, but uh, maybe next year. We'll talk to you down the road, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks, Vinny. I am counting down the days for my first football trip to Vegas. Oh, hey, you're going to love it. Trust me, uh, it's it's a fun place, and uh, I can't wait for fans to come out here, and I can't wait to see uh, uh, writers from, from other teams actually out here too. So uh, let's, let's knock on wood that that's going to happen really quick. All right, looking forward to it, man. You too, Jeff. Take care. That's Jeff Howe from The Athletic. Uh, I think there's a fit there with Marcus Mariota and the Patriots. Uh, the issue is, if you're the Patriots, Marcus Mariota, uh, if if nobody steps up with a trade offer, is going to be out on the open market at some point. The Raiders have to get rid of him, basically, because they can't carry that $10.7 million uh, under the cap. They need to get under that salary cap. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Talk to you on the other side. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM.
Right back out to the listener line. We've got Madro. Uh, wants to talk about the Raiders. Uh, hopefully, I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Uh, it's, but it's uh, how you doing, my man? Yeah, it's Madro, like Madman. Got um, it, man. All right, cool. I, I, it was a fifty-fifty on that one, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's funny because most people don't like to say "mad." They think that'll be the thing that gets you off, or you know. So they always say, "There you go, there you go." It, it, it's it's honestly true. I've been listening to that for seventy years. So and, hey, imagine um, me. Look at my last name. It's like Bonsignor, Bonsignori. It's just well, that's why you're known as Vinny B. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> I love it. Well, anyway, um, first thing, before I even get to my point, I this is a relatively new fan base in Las Vegas for the Raiders. A lot of them really haven't been Raider fans, and they're getting on to it. But I want them to know that you and Lincoln Kennedy are two of the best there are, period. Most of the pundits on radio and stuff, half the time they say stuff just to either hear themselves speak or to cause a sensation. You guys actually understand the football. You understand how the cap works. You understand how the league works. You understand how these teams maneuver. And that's the best information there is, is the real stuff. And uh, hopefully they all appreciate y'all because uh, there's so many bad ones out there. Madro, but, thank uh, you very much. That really means a lot. I, I, I well, tweet, it's, I, it's, it's the truth. It's, you know, I've listened to all over the place. I used to be in Oakland, and, uh, you know, they were good up there. But here, they don't, I don't think they know how good you really are and that you take this thing seriously. Um, well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, and that said, I might be really wrong on this, but, you know, because I'm kind of positive thinking on the whole deal. But I honestly think that the Raiders have got a bunch of very good talent on the defense and that our biggest problem, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but the truth of the matter is our last defensive coaching regime, they may know X's and O's. They may have great schemes, but the one thing I think they proved in many different situations is that they don't know how to coach. Because coaching is teaching, and even a lot of our veterans on defense were playing out of position. They looked confused. In other words, they didn't know how that defensive scheme was supposed to work. And this was over and over and over. And, you know, you can use the excuses, and there's plenty of them, whether it's the COVID or they were young. But the truth is, they didn't get it. And I honestly think we may have already fixed the defense for the most part um, with our new defensive coordinator. Give well, them a shot at teaching these kids, and a lot of them are kids. And you yep, may that, see a completely different defense. Yep, absolutely. Uh, i got to go pay some bills real quick, but uh, Major, I think you're on to something really, really important. And uh, what I've been stressing about this coaching staff, and I've heard from people in the NFL, this new defensive coaching staff, it is high, high, high on teaching and development. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, covering the Rams, how a bunch of teachers came in there and got that thing turned around in Los Angeles. Yes, talent obviously has a lot to do with it. But when you can uh, command a room, when you can get the message across, when you can teach and communicate uh, at the level that you need to to be successful, that is, uh, that's, that's half the battle right there. And teaching is so, so, so important. I don't want to knock the previous regime, but I, but I have some suspicion that they weren't getting that message across. And I think this staff has a really good chance to get that turned around and that element in place. And if it is in place, this defense has a chance uh, to start moving in the right direction much quicker than it was uh, last year. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. Thanks for the call, Major.